I want to take a minute to promote a business by a friend of the podcast and also a really good friend of mine. And that business is Bendings Canvas. It can be found on redbubble.com. And it's some incredible artwork. I'm looking at it right now and I'm I'm blown away by it. I'm like lost for words. Really amazing artist. Um, you can go on there, get all sorts of magnets, stickers, artwork. There's a really cool variety of things. Really cool stuff. So definitely go on there if you want to get something for yourself. If you want to maybe get a gift for someone like maybe a birthday gift, holiday gift, homewarming gift, or just a random gift for an occasion. That's a thing that you can still do. Um, definitely go on go on their Bendings Canvas for absolutely amazing artwork and a, support a really close friend of mine. Um, that's Bendings Canvas on redbubble.com. That's Bendings Canvas on redbubble.com. Hi, everybody. This is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, a podcast all about music. There's a few things that I want to get into, so I'm going to dive right in. First off, I have a Facebook page. It's called Groupie and Harmony. Make sure you give that a like because I post whenever I have any updates about the podcast, whenever I have any new podcasts released, or whenever I have any any blog posts for my music blog, Feeling Groupie. So my most recent blog post for that one was the most confusing bands and artists, in my opinion. So in particular with this one, instead of focusing on, like, I'm surprised this group's popular, or I'm surprised that or this style of music is weird. Instead, I focused on a few different things that I find confusing about different artists. I was inspired by that because I was especially inspired by my the ones I consider to be the four most confusing, which are Creed, Audio Slave, Falling in Reverse, and excuse me, and 21 Pilots. I also have six others that I discuss in there, so definitely make sure you give that a, a read. I also have another Facebook page for my basketball uh, my basketball blog, Is Baller Trademarked Yet? So I have three topics that I've posted since, or three posts that I've posted since my last one. First one was related to some NBA topics from the previous couple weeks. Another one was since the NBA trade deadline is coming up, who's buying and selling. And the third one is a post related to March Madness. I have my men's and women's brackets on there. My men's one, day one was looking great. Day two, not so much. <laughs> um, and then I also have a joke one on there from that I do every year for flipping a coin. So definitely be sure to check that one out as well. I have a couple that are coming out soon. I'm probably going to do a recap of recent March Madness once, and then I'm also going to do, there are a bunch of NBA topics I want to do, probably going to do a trade tracker with the deadline coming up, and then for the music blog, there are going to be a couple ones coming up, um, I'm going to, there's one in particular I'm going to be discussing soon, there's, uh, there's also going to be one, um, I'm probably going to reprise the fictional festival one at some point, so keep your eyes peeled for those ones. Now, as for what we're doing today, we finally have the long-awaited top albums of 2020. I'll get to how I'm going to be doing that soon. I also thought it would be fun to do who I would have chosen for the Grammy Awards, not just out of the nominees, but out of for a few categories that I listened to, a bunch of styles in those categories, who I would have chosen for those ones. But first, I have three... Th- things, I have two sadder things that I want, want to get to, but even before that, 
I want to give out an apology. So, I in my last podcast episode, when I was discussing the Grammys, in particular when I was discussing the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion performance, I had, I was, in, I was discussing how there are some people that are like, why aren't they acting like a role model for people? And I was discussing my disdain about that. And I'm not apologizing for my argument. Instead, I'm apologizing because I said something fallacious in there that was unfair to say. And I said that for people who are saying that, the, uh, that celebrities should be role models, I said that, uh, that why don't you be a role model yourself and stop being a hypocrite. Now... With that statement, I had implied that anyone who says that is not trying to be a role model themselves or is a horrible role model themselves, which really isn't of it really isn't fair for me to say and isn't logically correct or true either. So my apologies about that. I normally am like calculated with what I say and also do think in a logical manner. So the the fact that I said that one when I just got caught up in my emotions wouldn't be fair to say, so my apologies about that. Um, I'm not apologizing for my viewpoint, though, of that, because frankly, my viewpoint, I'm, I'll double down on it even. I think it's moronic to say they should be a, to argue that they should be role models, but that's neither here, here nor there at this point. Now, as for a couple sad things, so. First off, I since this is my first podcast episode since the spa and uh, massage, massage parlor shootings in Atlanta, I did want to briefly discuss those. So, it wasn't... So, it hasn't been classified as a hate crime yet, and even the... the in uh, the individual who, who did the shootings has said that it wasn't a hate crime, but rather it was a sex addiction, addiction that aggression from a sex addiction that fueled that. That said, out of the eight people killed, six were Asian women. So I think that it really, that there is a case to be made that this is a hate crime. And also beyond that, with a lot of people calling, for instance, COVID, uh, calling COVID uh, China virus, including the uh, former president. I think that really has brought to light racism related to Asian Americans. And I, and I'll be honest, because I wasn't sure whether to discuss this or not on the podcast. I wasn't originally going to because my opinion of it was that I felt like it has, it goes unsaid that it's wrong, but clearly it doesn't. And I do have a certain amount of regret for holding out on that position for a little bit because, and like previously, um, in, uh, so in the NBA's effectively minor league, the G League, Jeremy Lin had, uh, had said that a player who, he's uh, Asian American, I think Taiwanese American, but I might be wrong about that that one I might be getting a mix up with someone else um 
he had said that he had said that he uh that's not a player call another player called him coronavirus and I didn't and I have a blog that I can use my voice for with that to express my disdain with that but for a while I opted not to because I thought my mindset was well obviously that's wrong I don't know what else I can say about that but I think within the last 24 to 48 hours I really have changed my mind about that and come around to the fact that since I have a platform I should be using it so my apologies for not using it when I and the opportunities I had beforehand and it and know there are a lot of people that are speaking out again up regarding violence against Asian Americans but it shouldn't have taken until then and it also shouldn't have taken until this for me to realize that I should use the platforms I have to speak about that so frankly it's 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 wrong to do that and I mean and uh, frankly I mean racism against different against different minorities in the US is common but it I feel like that in particular the like micro trans micro micro transgressions are like smaller comments that come out here and there related to related to Asian Americans are is even more frequent even like nowadays because I still remember them um, even like as the smallest things like a uh, when um as a uh, something like when I had a, at one job one lifeguarding job I had a supervisor who was Asian when he was writing something on a board he misspelled it and someone said and someone said and like a and like a member of the place we were lifeguarding at had said something along the lines of oh I mean that's okay I would expect you to be better at math anyways so man I know that's really little compared to these kind of things but even still I think that was part of when I started to realize that this is freakishly prevalent even still and sadly I don't think that the country is going into a place where we will where we will improve I'd like to say that after this one maybe that uh, something like this maybe we would and maybe there's more awareness about it but if it takes until that then it will for other for other forms of discrimination too so I so that is absolutely devastating to see that. Another bit of, uh, don't know what the word is here for this one. Definitely some form of sadness, devastation. Um, and as a trigger warning here related to, because uh, um, I don't want to trigger any PTSD, um, I'm going to be discussing, especially related to like sexual violence, sexual assault, uh, rape, I am going to be discussing a, a reported rape, so 
I do just want to give you the heads up. I'm not sure exactly how long I'll be discussing it for. I'm guessing two to three minutes, I would guess. So if you would like to skip ahead, um, feel by all means, feel free to. So Demi Lovato has said that has report has mentioned that uh she she said that uh in the past week that she lost her virginity when she was raped when she was 15 years old and an actress on the excuse me on the Disney Channel and the rapist was a co-star in the um that she had to continue seeing while filming. And she had told someone about the rape, but they never got in trouble with it, and they were never removed from the movie. So, um, I mean, first off, I mean, obviously condolences to her for having to even have to deal with that. And... But at the same time, though, she, the fact that she is willing to not only have to, not only having to deal with that for so long, but also being a, will, able, and at least in that setting, willing to even discuss that, that really displays a lot of bravery. So, I mean, I'm really impressed with her having that kind of bravery because to even deal with that, that's, I can't even imagine the amount of bravery that takes and how strong that. And how strong someone is to who has to deal with that. The um, as for from Disney's perspective, I don't expect anything to come from it from now at this point, because likely if they do an investigation, they, you would get a case of well they're no longer employed by Disney so they can't do anything right now. If If you, um, if, and then if, uh, maybe they'll say, uh, do some sort of apology related to it, but even there, I don't, I don't know what they would, what they would do there, um, because, I mean, maybe they could say, we're sorry that she had to deal with that, um, maybe that would be the best, because I don't think that saying something along the lines of um, saying something along the lines of we never got a report about it would be the best public image. So I'm not sure exactly how they are going to handle that. Um, and and I'm also not going to, t and so I'm not going to speculate on that too much, um, just because I, they, we'll see what happens when they do if they have, because I don't think they've released a statement already, um, and if um, and so I don't think it would be because I'm sure some people are uh taking the approach of, oh, who might it have been? Because it was filmed in 2008. I don't think that's... Or, I mean, maybe not 2008. Sorry, it was filmed when she was 15. I don't think that's the appropriate approach to take with that. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but... Look, I mean... Really, it... 
it's messed up that she obviously that she still has to that she had to that she had to deal with that and I know there'll be people being like why didn't why didn't she say no who's to say that she didn't and they she was forced and someone forced her forced them on her anyways or why didn't she fight back well she probably would have been removed from the set for attacking someone so what my response to those is those are my two reasons why those probably know but why instead don't we say why don't we teach uh, individuals to not be rapists instead of saying here's only here's how you defend against rapists because that is how we are going to how we are going to continue having many many people have to put up with that and deal with that it's it's not fair to individuals who have to suffer this kind of thing so um want to jump to a totally different topic now um and before we get to the two topics i had previewed a day to remember released their newest album you're welcome on March 5th so it's their seventh album and uh, it charted at 15 in the US now there is a little bit of a dip compared to their previous album which had peaked at number two which was their first top 10 album and now this one has a little bit of a dip so while I haven't heard much about people worrying or not my wonder is are is should we be worried about or should a day to remember fans be worried about the fact that it charted it lower my answer is no so biggest reason is because during covid there are some wacky results in the charting in particular because you don't have artists able to tour to promote their albums so that hurt so that hurts there um I would imagine that if a day to remember had been able to tour to promote it, it would have charted a little bit higher if I had to guess. And then also and also another one that I was wondering was was it a case of the the album's chart for the Grammys impacted it? And I realized no, that would have been another week. Um but that week in particular though out of the albums in the top 10, eight of them were previously in the top 10. And uh, those ones were Morgan Wallen's album at number one, Pop Smoke, one of Pop Smoke's albums at number two, um, Push I Steed at number three, I'll skip number four for now, Lil Durk's newest album at number five, uh, Dua Lipa at number six, Lil Baby at number seven, Ariana Grande at number eight, so I'll skip nine for a second, and then Luke Combs at number 10. And all of them have been established in the top 10 for a little while now the two exceptions there were at number four the weekend and that that one perfectly coincides with when he said that he was going to boycott the grammys and since then views for his halftime performance skyrocketed all his songs skyrocketed and all his albums charting has skyrocketed and after hours went from being um being charted at 163 last week to being number four this week so it was a massive rise as a result of that and then at number nine um was the debut week of Chevelle's newest album 
Um, Neratius. So, and their albums norm have been chart. Their last few albums have charted in the top, debuted in the top ten. So, I'm not too worried about that one. And in particular, the Data Remember did have to go up against a few other albums that were kind of competitive because they did have to go up. Also, in addition to Chevelle's album, they did go up against a. When you see yourself by Kings of Leon, um, the oh, only the family presents uh, loyal bros compilation album, which was uh, only the family is uh, Lil Durk's uh, hip hop collective. Those ones peaked at eleven and twelve respectively. So realistically, you I mean you have three rock albums that all that chart in the top fifteen all in the same week. So that one. That that alone is definitely competition to deal with, um, so with and I think that one is also underrated competition because because Kings of Leon and Javel in particular do their albums tend to sell really well or chart really well and then Lil Durk is has in the last few years become really popular in hip hop so that's like. Tougher combo to have to de- be to have to deal with, and then a few other reasons that I'm not worried. Um, it it's their first album in five years or four and a half years, I guess. But so normally that doesn't really help matters. Also, there wasn't a ton of publicity in that one for that album compared to previous albums, and it was their first album with fueled by, with the fueled by ramen label. Their last time that they released an album with a, or they released an album, they had changed labels. They self-released in their last two albums, and out of the first one they self-released, it ended up charting at thirty-seven in the U.S. Now, admittedly, part of that was because the digital download and the physical versions were released on different days. But even still, with the new record label, a lot of times that does cause changes in charting so all in all for if a day any day to remember fans who might be worried that there was a drop in the charts don't be i'm won't be worried at all especially not during covid charting <laughs> that just that just makes everything wacky frankly so let's dive into the top albums of 2020 now so here's how i'm gonna do this so i ranked them on a one star to five star scale and with my rankings a lot of times you have something like ones are horrible albums and like worst of all like worst albums of all time whatever or just not even that ones are horrible albums twos are below average threes are average fours are good and fives are like historic or maybe historically great, somewhere in that range. For me, I do it differently um, because I think it's unfair to uh, say that a five-star album is a historically great album when realistic, in like when you're just listening to it for the when it was just released. Because I think that it takes multiple years before you can truly say that it is is a historically great album. So for me, the way I do it is one star is awful, two stars is not good, three stars is 
okay, probably average. Four stars is good, and five stars is great. And I also do half stars. Um, so ultimately, I have a lot more five star albums in my rankings than a lot of people did. I have in the like I think I have more than twenty five five star albums, which is really uncommon for a lot of publications. But that's because I grade it nicer because I think it because really the way I'm grading it is in that moment because I change my mind with reviews all the time especially like further down the road some of these albums I ranked as five stars I'm probably going to rank like as it wouldn't surprise me if I rank them as like four stars later on so um what I'm going to do with this one is in the blog I'm going to list out like do my rankings for the top 20 or the top all the five star albums so right now I think it's 26 I might be wrong off the top of my head um and I'm just gonna list them and then I'm also gonna do like different rankings for other different things like best of different genres best debut albums um various other ones like that maybe something like best that didn't chart in the billboard 200 I'm not sure yet if I'm gonna do that one and um what I'm gonna do today is I'm going to be doing the top 10 albums and discuss them more in depth. So last year I did multiple episodes where I talked a lot about different albums. I figure though that if I focus on a few on the podcast, that'll be good because I do have the blog where I can discuss, give more albums, just shout outs. So I think that's a good approach for doing it. Before we do that, I... Actually, before we get into that, I do just want to quickly cl- say how I'm do how what cl- qualifies as an album, and then I'm going to do honorable mentions. I'm gonna do my worst. Al- Actually, I'll do my worst albums of 2020 before that, and then my honorable mentions for best albums, and then I'll go into the top ten. So, what qualifies as an album? Well, for tw- on this list, well, if it was released in 2020, if it was actually considered a studio album. So I did not include live albums. I did not include compilation albums like Greatest Hits albums. I also didn't include extended plays this year. Now, I am looking into including extended plays in the future because I realized that not including extended plays eliminates a lot of K-pop releases. And I realized that is kind of unfair because a lot of K-pop, instead of albums, a lot of these groups will release multiple EPs instead in a year. So I'm not sure how I'm going to approach that yet in the future. For this year, I just said, we'll count the studio albums and that's it. In the future, I am going to look into maybe including K-pop EPs or something, but I'm not still not sure how I'm going to approach that yet. Now, for my worst albums of 2020, because I did this last year where I said my single worst album of 2020, and this year... It was really close between two. And humorously enough, both of the nominees, or both of these, both the candidates for this one were Grammy nominees. Won a Grammy winner. Ultimately, the runner-up was the Grammy winner for Rock Album of the Year, The New Abnormal by The Strokes. Honestly, I thought the first half, the first half was just abysmal. I was ready to, like, break my scale and give it a zero stars halfway through. Um, I was ready to just call it quits. And I was really looking forward to this one, but, like, I thought that a lot of the songs in the first half were just devoid of energy, and the ones that did have energy 
the mixing was bad enough to the point where it was like in the album version of bad decisions that I listened to it was to the point where the instrumental parts were just so loud or off because the way it was mixed that the song it just messed up the song what saved the album was the second half was actually was good so that ended up uh giving beating out the winner of worst album of the year by half a star and the win or the, I guess the loser for worst album of the year is changes by Justin Bieber I just found it to be a really boring album and uh I little I because I reviewed this one previously on the podcast and one thing that I said in the in the album was that uh what I really thought had saved the album was the collaborations and I literally wrote on this in um, my notes here I think what saved the album was many of the collaborations. It made me forget how dull and boring the album was leading up to them. So, um, so this year's worst album, and I mean, it, and I mean, because Justin Bieber's singing performance was good also. It was just, the songwriting was not good, the lyrics were pathetic, the, the songs they chose on it were just dull, boring, and just were a drag. So, my winner or loser, depending on how you want to word it, for Worst Album of the Year is Changes by Justin Bieber. Um, and congrats, a shout out to The New Abnormal for just, for just winning out and not being nominated. Now, I do have three honorable mentions that, uh, miss out by default of the rule. Either default of the rules, or I didn't... think that I should put them in here based on the way I've ruled it. So first off, Fine Line by Harry Styles. Excellent album. Amazing performance by Harry Styles. Incredible writing on the album too. Um, Really catchy album. Um, I would give it five stars. I I think I did give it five stars when I reviewed it. The issue with this though was that it was a 2019 album. But I didn't include it on the list of my best 2019 albums because I messed up and I wrote it when I was writing making a note of it I inst- I must have noted it as tw- I noted it as 2020 instead by mistake so it wasn't on my 2019 albums and it's ineligible for my 2020 albums um it would have been in my top 10 because I thought it was an excellent album but um I just outright but I just because of my clerical clerical error it missed out, but I did want to give it a shout out for this here because it really was an amazing album. And then for two other albums that I think I have to leave out, even though it probably would crack the top ten, um, "The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny" demo by Mr. Bungle. So Mr. Bungle's return, their first release, an amazing album, one of the best metal releases of the year. There was an issue though. Kept what's keeping it out of the, my rankings is that it was for the most part a re-recording of a demo album, and since that isn't a common thing, I didn't know how to how to handle this. But since I decided that since most of it was not original music, there were some original stuff in there, but or new stuff that they hadn't previously recorded, I decided ultimately to that they were ineligible. But it really wasn't an excellent album. Um, really shows why Mr. Bungle is an excellent and immensely continuously underrated band. 
Um, and uh, the last one is the last one is I I whoops I lost I didn't write the name down of it. Um, is post-human survival horror by Bring Me the Horizon. So this one was an excellent return to form, in my opinion, for their going back to metal roots. It sounds amazing. And they even with like a song like Dear Diary went back to metalcore even, which was amazing. Um, and I thought they chose a bunch of songs that they were able to make them make them work. And made able to make it where I felt like they shouldn't have been able to flow together, but they did seamlessly. So I thought that was really cool. What's disqualifying this from this one? The fact that I I don't think it's an album officially. Some have recorded as an EP. On the, the Wikipedia page for this release, it's recorded as it's listed as a recording. But I think it probably is. I think the band has referred to it as an EP before, so I am listing referring to it as an EP as well. So that means that it is disqualified from being ranked. Otherwise, it would have been in the top ten because it is an excellent release. And now, before we get into the top ten, also, I have two other honorable mentions that were eligible, but they finished 11th and 12th. The first one is Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Incredible album. The music just goes so well with it. Um, really well written, well made, well produced all around. I think there was like one or two songs that really just weren't as good with it That to show you how clo- how intense and close it, tough it is to get into the top ten. That might have cracked the that probably would have cracked the top five if it weren't for the, the that. So drop down to twelfth. Um, I wanted to put it in the top ten, but I didn't know who I could bump out of it. And number eleven, I was I wanted to put this album at ten so bad, but ultimately I couldn't bring I couldn't bring myself to. I was torn between the album that ended up as tenth and this album, and that is It Is What It Is by Thundercat, the winner of Best progressive R&B album at the Grammys, and a deserving winner. Excellent album, well-made album, um, well-produced. He's an incredible musician. Um, just a, and it's a beautiful and stunning album, but unfortunately, it just missed out on the top ten. And now number ten is "Good News" by Megan Thee Stallion. So it was nominated for a Grammy this year because it was ineligible because it was released too late, but it will be eligible next year. So. Megan Thee Stallion, so say what you will about uh about her uh confidence, her willing to rap about sex and sexuality. I know that can be polarizing, but what I will say is even if you don't like the the lyrics, you gotta say she is one hell of a rapper. There is a case to be made that she's the best, that she's the most, one of the most skilled rappers right now, which is insane, but she really is talented. And I think that, and I really think, cause is it like, for instance, a top 10 album lyrically? I don't know that I would consider it one, but sound wise, skill wise, everything else about the album hurt, like, I She's so she's so talented on this album in particular that I cannot justify ranking 
this album, ranking this album any lower than top 10. So, it's just an amazing album. I would, I would highly recommend it. Actually, I would highly recommend any of these. Um, number nine is Underneath by Code Orange. So, um, well, a lot of their, uh, the, this band, they're, I've mentioned them previously on the podcast with the Grammys. They're quickly becoming one of the mo, one of the, for a while, they were one of the best kept secrets in metal music. They're, they're rising. Soon they won't be in that, in a great, a very well kept secret. Um, they're, this album in particular, I think that if they were one band that really would have benefited from being able to tour in 2020, they were set to do a bunch of music festivals, so it's really unfortunate for them that they had to miss out on that. Um, I think what's cool with this album in particular is that they were able to implement more experimentation into the album too than they had in their previous albums. They previously did have some experimentation, but this album did a lot with industrial metal in particular to blend that with metalcore and hardcore punk, which I thought was really cool. They meshed perfectly. Um, they were able to mash a few other styles of metal into it too. It was really well written, well made album, and um, I this is one of the best metal albums of of the year. It's it's not the best one. We'll get to that shortly, but it's one of the best ones. Now number eight. So, Megan Thee Stallion's album was not the best hip-hop album of the year, in my opinion. It's number two. Number one for best hip-hop albums of the year is a surprise one. The Goat by Polo G. So, who would have thought that a trap a trap and drill hip-hop artist would hit number one here, especially one that isn't as well-known as a lot of other ones? Well, Polo G nailed it. Musically, the production was perfect on the album. Um, the lyrics were really good. Um, his style is it just flows so well with the way it was produced also. So they it was a really well calculated, well thought out, incredible album. And Polo G is one that I could see being a big name in hip hop music in the in the next few years. He is rising, I think, and I'm really excited for that to happen, especially after this album, because this was one amazing album. Uh, number seven is the top metal album of the year, Ohms by Deftones. So this one is lighter than a lot of metal al albums, because Deftones is, their music tends to be weirder than a lot of metal groups, because they influence, they take try to take in a lot of diff, they're influenced by a lot of different genres. And it's tough to pinpoint this one, but or any of their stuff. But this one, it was seemed like it was a little bit alternative metal, and seems like it was a little bit synth pop. So this album, they were able to blend he some heavier music with a softer sound and a synth pop sound, and it was there were times where they could ro easily rotate between a heavier sound and just this beautiful sound. And there are very few bands that can do it as seamlessly as Deftones have continued to be able to do it. And I thought that the the experimentation that they were able to do by blending the genres worked out really well. Um, the title track ending the album was the perfect way to end the album. I was, has, I was resistant to when I saw that it was. 
that 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 was gonna be the song that was uh ending the album because it was the it was the first single and when I heard it, I'm like ooh I don't know about that ending the album but then I heard it ending the album I'm like yep yep had to be that one and I would go as far as saying it might be one of their best albums already number six is Manic by Halsey so first off with this one I have to give a little bit of an apology for Halsey I managed to do my favorite songs of 2020 previously and I managed to totally omit any songs by Halsey which really is un first off unfair and second off inaccurate with how I viewed 2020's releases so um this one she was able to blend a few different uh a few different genres in it um she uh probably at its core it was like pop electro pop but then there were alternative influences um and Halsey I think it's cool what she can do because she is one of the best artists I can think of at taking a bunch of songs that don't necessarily sound like they would go together and then releasing an album where you listen to the album and it's like wow those did go together <laughs> better than I thought even so and even like so Without Me was the biggest song was the big biggest hit single from the album and even there, it there's a I mean there's a case to be made that it wasn't even the best song on the album because in my opinion, you also have you should be sad, you should you also have three a.m. which I love both of those ones so I mean excellent 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 album um and I have been a fan of hers for really since New Americana, and I'm really excited to see it, to see it be, um, see her having so much success in, with that, in that regard in particular. Um, number five is The Ascension by Sufjan Stevens. So, this album's not for everyone. There are a lot of people that will probably find this one really weird. But I will say, if you have previously listened listened to The Age of Odds by um, Sufjan Stevens, and you were okay with how weird that one is, this will be a cakewalk. Um, the so- a really well-done songwriting. Um, I th- and what's crazy about this is that Stevens is so talented and has so many great albums that this album might only be his fifth best album behind uh, depending on how you rank them Carrie and Lowell uh, Illinois Michigan and Seven Swans in my opinion those would be at the top four but then the Ascension in my opinion is in the top five though it's well written uh, amazing musicianship um, I think the experiment experimentation on it works he as core is probably electro pop but he does experiment do like some experimentation, not as much as Age of Odds, but um, in particular, it ends with it ends with the Ascension, 
I'm sorry, not The Ascension. I'm sorry. I read the wrong line. It ends with the song America, which is one of my favorite songs from the year. One of the best songs of the year, in my opinion. Haunting song, but absolutely beautiful. Um, number four is Folklore by Taylor Swift. So Taylor Swift was a big winner here. She had two albums that ended up being five-star albums. Um, ultimately, uh, spoiler alert, um, Evermore missed the top ten. But Folklore was an amazing album. Um, lyrically, excellent album. It really was also just a beautiful album. Um, the tracks worked so well with each other. It was really smooth. And I, a sound album. And what I will say also is I mentioned that Halsey was excellent at making a bunch of songs that you think might not go together. Go together? Taylor Swift, in my opinion, is the master at that. So, um, so I think that's, so I, it makes it fun to listen, those kind of albums fun to listen to. Number three, Rough and Rowdy Ways by Bob Dylan. So, and this one is probably the best written album of the year. And maybe one of the best written albums I've ever heard. And I mean, songwriting has always been Bob Dylan's forte, especially lyrics. And it is a haunting album, but it's absolutely beautiful. The lyrics in particular are incredible. It was an album that just felt right for the year. Number two, Grey by Moses Sumney. Closest, as about as close to a perfect album as you could get, in my opinion. But yeah, it's number two, which really tells you number one. Um... Absolutely stunning album. I love it. Um, I think it's so well written. Um, he's an amazing performer, amazing musician. Um, and I really hope he's one of these artists that I really hope will get big just because it'll be easier to access his music. So amazing album. I really wish that he had I was hoping he would get a nominate a Grammy nomination for uh Best New Artist. Ultimately he didn't, but I was so hoping he would. And number one, Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. Look, this album won't be for everyone. Um, but I love it. I think it pretty much is the perfect album. Um, the tracks worked well together. Each track was beautiful. Um, really well written. Uh, the tracks were like coherent to, together. She's also an excellent lyricist. She's really playful lyrically, which is fun to listen to. Like, it... She has a lot of just... F funny, quirky, dark humor kind of lyrics, which is a lot of fun to hear. I love that kind of stuff. So, um... Uh, so, congratulations, Phoebe Bridgers. You released the album that is the top album of 2020, in my opinion. So now, let's get into the final thing for today, which is uh, Matt's Grammys. Now, uh, for uh, this one, what I did was um, I looked at a few categories. I didn't look at every category mainly because well 
I just didn't feel comfortable uh, with, I didn't feel like I've listened to enough music for some categories to say that something should be nominated versus something else. So what I did was I looked at a bunch of awards, a bunch of categories, and uh, I um, and I said, here's who I think should have been nominated for these awards, or not should have been, who, if I had, if it were me making the decisions, would have been nominated instead. So, um, any category that I don't discuss, or any award also in particular that I don't discuss, is not me being like, let's not discuss this award. The reason, if there's any award that I leave out, it's because I don't feel like I listen to enough of the music to give an accurate description of who I would have nominated. Because there are, in particular, I left off the R&B nominations. And that's because I didn't feel like I listened to enough R&B outside of the nominees to give an accurate description of who I think should have been nominated. Because realistically, it would have just been the ones that were nominated in Summer Walker. So I didn't feel like that would be fair. But there were other categories that I that I have nominees for, so let's get into them. So we'll start out, we'll go bo uh, from bottom to top here. So we'll start out with rap. So first off, best rap album. Uh, nominees for that one ultimately were King's Disease by Nas, Black Habits by D Smoke, Alfredo by Freddie Gibbs and The Alchemist, A Written Testimony by J Electronica, and The Allegory by Royce to Five Foot Nine. So, um, my nominees are going, are a lot different than those ones. Um, <laughs> so the one, and ultimately King's Disease won, um, that is not, I'll confess, that's not going to be a nominee. Every album that I'm discussing was, that I'm going to discuss here was either four and a half stars or five stars. I only ranked King's Disease as four stars. Um, and now as for the releases in that period that would be eligible, um, the one I would have as the winner, as I mentioned, the best album of 2020, also is released in this period, The Goat by Polo G. Um, the four nominees that chosen would be 31520 by Childish Gambino, um, RTJ4 by Run the Jewels, uh, or Run the Jewels 4, uh, My Turn by Lil Baby, and Alfredo by Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist. So, Osmail Alfredo was the only one that would have gotten a nomination here um, that actually did. Uh, the other ones that I did consider, so the honorable mentions for this one, um, A Written Testimony by J Electronica, which had gotten a nomination, Legend Never Die by Juice World, Music to be Murdered by by Eminem, Meet the Woo 2 by Puff Smoke, which is his mixtape. They also did have um, they also did have his studio album nominated, but I... I like Meet the Woof 2 more and Circles by Mac Miller. And then as for Best Rap Song, so the nominees for that one, the winner ultimately was Me A Savage by Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. The other nominees were The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby, The Box, Laugh Now, Cry Later, and Rockstar. And I didn't say who these artists were afterwards. The Box by Roddy Rich, Laugh Now, Cry Later but was by Drake featuring Lil Zerk, and Rockstar was by DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich. So... I, if I had the choice for a winner, my winner would be The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby. 
I think that is the song for 2020, frankly, um, for especially in rap music. So um, the other nomin- my other nominees would be Godzilla by Eminem featuring Juice World, The Box by Roddy Rich, Savage by Megan Thee Stallion, and Lockdown by Anderson Pac. Um, the other two that I would consider here would be Just by Run the Jewels featuring Pharrell Williams and Zach De La Rocha, and Rockstar by DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich. So the one that I would have left off would have been uh la- uh, that would have I mean ultimately I did leave off Rockstar that one just missed the cut um I would have left I would have left off Laugh Now Cry Later I'm not as crazy about that song as other people were evidently um I'm not gonna go into the best rap performance and best melodic rap performance mainly because outside of the ones that were nominated for those ones I don't know I never know how they're gonna distinguish it because I would have expected uh the bigger picture to be melodic rap performance but it was in rap performance so at that point I'm like I don't know I'd never know how they're going to distinguish it so I don't want to do that um next up we'll do best alternative album and after I will do best rock album um this one is a little bit tough to necessarily distinguish which whether it's going to be alternative or rock because in particular um the new abnormal was nominated for for rock album when I would have expected it to be alternative and historically, there have been some albums that is like, should they be called rock or alternative? So these ones a lot of times are my best guess a lot of times. So um, anyways, um, best alternative album. So there are seven that I have classified as alternative and then that have a chance. And then 10 that I classify as rock that have a chance. So for best alternative album, ultimately, the winner was Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. Nominees were Hyperspace by Beck, Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Jamie by Brittany Howard, and The Slow Rush by Tame Impala. I would have had Punisher be the winner, as evident by the fact that I had it as the top album of 2020. The other nominees I would have had were Jamie by Brittany Howard, um, which wasn't included in my tw- best albums of 2020 because it was released late 2019, so it qualifies for the 2020 Grammys. Um... Do You Wonder About Me by Diet Sig. They're an indie pop, indie indie pop group, so it's tough to necessarily pinpoint how they would be viewed, but I think they would be classified under alternative. Um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple and High Risk Behavior by The Chat. So they're kind of like punk, post-punk. It's kind of tough to classify them also, but I would guess that they'd be alternative. And uh, the other two that I would have considered would actually have not been Hyperspace or The Slow Rush. I wasn't as crazy about those two. The two that I would have considered were Whole New Mess by Angel Olsen and Ultimate Success Today by Proto-Martyr. And Proto-Martyr's album, it could have been considered a rock as well. Um, As for Best Rock Album, um, the nominees for that one were uh, The New... The, the winner was The New Abnormal by The Strokes. As you can probably guess, that won't be in my in my nominees. Um, the other nominees were A Hero's Death by Fontaine's DC, Kiwanuka by Michael Kiwanuka, Daylight by Grace Potter, and Sound and Fury by Sturgill Simpson. My winner would have been Kiwanuka by Michael Kiwanuka. Excellent album. Really well-made album. In, honestly, just an incredible album. Uh, the other nominees... Would have been Underneath by Code Orange, Defender by August Burns Red, Melee by Do- Dogleg, and Woman in Music Part 3 by Haim. This one is a weird one because 
ultimately I have two metal albums nominated for best rock album and a emo post hardcore band <laughs> for a hardcore punk band in Dogleg um nominated for this one so that one would never have happened um but the other ones that I had considered was another metal album uh Pelham set by uh Protest the Hero uh, an actual nominee in uh, A Hero's Death by Fontaine's DC. Such a good album. Um, and then both of if we consider them rock, which I think it's safe enough to, both of Nine Inch Nails albums this year. Uh, Ghosts, uh, Ghost 6 Locust was the, would be above Ghost 5 together. And then another metal one, Throws of Joy and the Jaws of Defeatism by Napalm Death. Um, yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't have predicted uh the I wouldn't have predicted Grace Potter or Sturgill Simpson. Not that they're bad albums. I just think that those other ten albums I would have ranked those ten albums I listed I would have ranked above them. And surprise of all surprises, I wasn't as on board with uh, the Strokes album as the Grammys were. Next up, we'll go with Best Rock Song. So the winner of this one was Stay High by Brittany Howard. The nominees were Coyote by Phoebe Bridgers, Lost in Yesterday by Tame Impala, Not by Big Thief, and Chamika by Fiona Apple. So I do just want to specify here that um, we do have Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance here. So the way that it the way that they specify them is the performance is the actual recording of the song itself. The song is the songwriting, rather. So I focus more on the songwriting for this one, and then I go over to uh, when we do the best rock performance. It will be the actual recording performance of the song. So, um, so for best rock song, the winner that I would have done would have been Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers. Um, and uh, the nominees that I would have done would have been I would have classified America by Sufjan Stevens as a rock song there's a case to be made that it could have gone in other genres because it is tough to pinpoint but I would have argued that this is a rock song and then I would have also had Parasite Eve by Bring Me the Horizon The Steps by Haim and Shamika by Fiona Apples if if America was deemed not a rock song I would have had Dance the Clairvoyant instead by Pearl Jam um, the other nominees I would have chosen, or the other considerations I would have had would have been Stay High by Brittany Howard, Bad Decisions by The Strokes, the single version, not the version in the album where the mixing didn't sound good, um, <laughs> and uh, The End of the Game by Weezer, and Paradise Lost, a poem by John Milton by The Used. That was a really underrated track. Next up, we'll go with Best Metal Performance, and also with this one, I intentionally, because typically they don't have a metal song be also nominated for Best Rock Song, Best Rock Performance, so I just, I had the metal songs just be in the metal Best Metal Performance. The winner for that one was Bum Rush by Body Count. Um, the other nominees were Underneath by Code Orange, The In-Between by In This Moment, uh, Blood Money by Poppy, and Executioner's, ta Executioner's Task, Tax, Swing of the Axe. So, um, I would have had a. Uh, I would have had Defender by August Burns Red actually winning this one. It was really close between two. I'm just obsessed with that song, and I think it's 
very well written song. Um, the the runner up for that one, just really close to it though, would have been underneath by Code Orange. Um, then Can You Hear Me by Corn. I gotta say, Corn got really snubbed by that one. That was their best album by far, and they got no Grammy nods. Um, and then Dear Diary by Bring Me the Horizon. Um, that one would not have been nominated because it was it. There was no way that would have been nominated. And then The Migrant Mother by Protest the Hero. That was another one that wouldn't have been nominated because it wasn't released as a single. Two others that I would have considered. Now, I will say I wouldn't have done Ex- Executioner's Tax because it was a live version. I tend to not count those. The other two that I would have seriously considered would have been Bum Rush. It was, by body count, really, really close there. I just love the other five songs that I mentioned before that. And then Soak Me in Bleach by The Amity Affliction. And then for Best Rock Performance, the winner for that one was Shamika by Fiona Apples. The other nominees were The Steps by Haim, Stay High by Brittany Howard, Not by Big Thief, uh, Kyoto by uh, Phoebe Bridgers, and Daylight by Grace Potter. Um, Nominees I would have done, so apologies, it wouldn't... So this one had six, so I'm going to do six here. Apologies, it would not have been all female artists here, um, or female-led artists, or female groups led by female artists are fronted by female artists so apologies for that it is exciting that it was just i didn't feel like that those six were the best six rock performances some of them are still going to be in here so my winner would have been coyote by phoebe Bridgers again i'm a little bit biased because that's my favorite one of my favorite songs of the year but i think it is just an incredible performance and songwriting wise lyrically in particular best one of the best written songs um i also the other nominees would have been Bloody Valentine by Machine Gun Kelly. Patience by Chris Cornell. Now, this one is a cover song, so I didn't have it in the best song, but it is a cover of Guns Roses' song. Um, the Steps by Haim, Parasite Eve by Bring of the Horizon, and America by Sufjan Stevens. Um, just missing out was The End of the Game by Weezer. Incredible performance. Um, the other ones I considered were Stay High by Brittany Howard, uh, Dance, the Cl- Dance the Clairvoyance by Pearl Jam, Bad Decisions by The Strokes, Shamika by Fiona Apple, and Paradise Lost, a poem by John Millen by The Used. So, let's go on to pop. So, in particular, I only did two for pop. I did Best Pop Album and then Best Pop Solo Performance. The reason I had Best Pop Solo Performance and not Best uh, Duo or Group was because I, I didn't have enough in mind for Best Duo or Group. I mean... I had the nominees for it. I had Blackpink could have jumped in there. And then I was struggling to find anything else. So, uh... Best Pop Album. So then... The nominees for this one were, um... Were... Uh, or the winner was Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. And the nominees were Changes by Justin Bieber. You can... Based on how I rated it, you can probably guess this won't be in my nominees. Uh, Chromatica by Lady Gaga, um, Fine Line by Harry Styles, and Folklore by Taylor Swift. I have three of them that are going to remain in there, and two new ones in there. So, um, the winner for me would have been Folklore by Taylor Swift. So, the way that I do these ones is that if it's, instead of saying, like, for instance, which of these albums is the best pop album, which Taylor Swift's album probably isn't the best pop album, because it is also, like kind of alternative, kind of indie folk, kind of indie. Um, Why I do it is I just say out of those, out of the nominees, which one is the best album instead? 
since they're calling it a pop album, okay, now which one's the best out of these pop albums? That's how I interpret that one. So, um, Folklore is my number one. Even though there is a case to be made that it could have been nominated in, like, maybe a rock album instead, or even an alternative album, but since they deemed it a pop album, I will as well. Um, and then, uh, the second is, surprise of all surprises, Manic by Halsey. Um, that one really got snubbed from the Grammys. Um, the third one is Fine Line by Harry Styles. The fourth one is Chromatica by Lady Gaga. And the fifth one is After Hours by The Weeknd. I am going to rule that one a pop album. Since I believe they would have as well. Um... Just missing out as a result of that is Map of the Soul 7 by BTS. I really wanted to put that in there, but those other five, I just had them ranked above it. Um, I would guess that for other people, if they were going to choose a one to replace it with, probably it would be Halsey's album. But I, I was a big fan of that one. I'm really high on that one. So that's so I wanted to put BTS's album in there, but the issue is which album would get in there instead. Um, the uh, Some other ones I strongly considered, are re- I don't know where Set My Heart on Fire immediately by Perfume Genius would be considered. I took a crack at it and guessed that it would be considered a pop album, though. So, if it were considered pop and not electronic, then it would be, I, I would want it nominated, but again, I mean, I would even want BTS before, and I don't know where I would rank it. The uh, three others that I would consider would be Kid Crow by Conan, o- by Conan Gray, Future Nostalgia by Dooley, but I wasn't as high on that one as the Grammy and a lot of critics were, to be honest, but it's a good album. I just wasn't as high on it. And then the album by Blackpink. And then, uh, Best Pop Solo Performance. The winner for that one was Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. The other nominees were Yummy by Justin Bieber, Say So by Doja Cat, um, Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish, uh, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, and Cardigan by Taylor Swift. So, um, I also did six for this one. Um, I will say, I wouldn't have put Doja Cat in this one, mainly because that would be rewarding Dr. Luke in there, and I'm uncomfortable doing that at this time. Um, especially since he did do it as a pseudoname, under a pseudoname, as if he realized that, um, there would be backlash. Um, so, uh, my winner would have also been Watermelon Sugar. Um, and then, uh, the other nominees I always said, Blinding Light by The Weeknd, which totally got snubbed. Um, Cardigan by Taylor Swift. You Should Be Sad by Halsey sneaking in there. Um, Stupid Love by Lady Gaga and Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish. And then two that just missed circles. I don't know if this was actually considered pop or what. I that one just misses out. And then don't start now by Dua Lipa. Again, I wasn't as high on that album or that song as other people were, but um, it does deserve a shout out at least. Now for best new artist. So this one's tough because, like for instance, I like kind of do it like BTS would have technically been eligible for best new artist. I thought they were too big to be. Same thing with Morgan Wallen. I predicted Morgan Wallen would be named, but I, I, uh, he, 
but I'm not listing him here because I think he was too big at that time. Um, the winner was Megan Thee Stallion for that one. The other nominees were Ingrid Andress, Phoebe, Phoebe Bridgers, Noah Cyrus, Sheikah, D Smoke, Doja Cat, and Kay Trinata. Um, so, um, the ones, so, as for, uh, the, my winner, I would have also had it, Megan Thee Stallion. I really do think that, well, I thought she actually should have been nominated last year, as I mentioned previously. Um, I think it worked out in her favor. She would have had tougher competition last year in the top. This year, I think she rode fairly easily to it, and that's really exciting for her. I think she deserved it out of those nominees. One that I had predicted would be actually a lock for getting a nomination and got totally snubbed from the Grammys this year where Summer was Summer Walker. Her debut album was released late in 2019, so she was eligible for, or that album made her eligible for the Grammys, and she didn't get nominated for anything, which I was shocked by. Um... Excellent R&B music singer. Um, third would have been Phoebe Bridgers. Fourth would have been Lil Baby. He technically was still eligible for that one. Now he's not after he got nominated for best uh, for um, a couple of the rap awards. Um, fifth, I would have had Doja Cat because she really did have a massive year. Um, sixth, I would have had Co- uh, Conan Gray mainly because his album was so successful. Uh, seventh, Gabby Barrett, because I feel like I should have, uh, um, I feel like I should have a, at least one country musician, and she had the most successful year out of country music. Eighth, it's really tough. I would have had Moses Sumney, um, because his album was one of the best albums of, tw- of 2020. As for some other ones I would have considered, um, Pop Smoke was really close. Um, Polo G, I also wanted to put in there. Blackpink, same thing. Kate Trinata had a shot. The thing that I was resistant about was that I didn't know that... If, I don't know if Kate Trinata really was that much... It really had much of a breakout year after his second album compared to his first album. Dogleg, I would have considered. They just didn't have enough, the popularity. Same thing with the chats. And then uh, Jay Electronica. Technically, he was eligible, and this was his debut album. So I did just want to give him a shout-out. I wouldn't have seriously considered him, though, because he, within rap, he's been known for over a decade. Now for Song of the Year. So again, this one, similar to what I mentioned earlier um, with Rock. So Record of the Year is based on the actual record recording of it. The song is looking at the songwriting. So I did based on the songwriting rather than the recording. In Record of the Year, I looked at, I also tended to focus on popular songs, which is how I did it. That's how I always do that one. Song of the Year, I actually look at the songwriting of the song. So, um, the winner for that one was I Can't Breathe by Her. Um, the other nominees were Black Parade by Beyonce, The Box by Roddy Rich, Cardigan by Taylor Swift, Circles by Post Malone, uh, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish, and If the World Was Ending by J.P. Sachs featuring Julia Michaels. And what you'll find here is that actually, I agree with a decent number of, I think I agree with half of those ones. So the winner I would have had was is The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby. In my opinion, that is the song of 2020. Kind of like how a few years ago when um, All Right became the song of, oh jeez, what year was that? 2014, 2015? Um, in the midst of Black Lives Matter when All Right by Kendrick Lamar 
just became this anthem. And it's kind of, I feel like it's a kind of similar thing with the bigger picture. So that's why in my opinion, it's the, the, that is the song of the year. Um, second would have been America by Sufjan Stevens. Uh, third, Murder Most Followed by Bob Dylan. Fourth was I can't would have been I Can't Breathe by her, which, I mean, I'm not even mad about that. I wasn't at all annoyed about the fact that she won it because I thought that that, <laughs> I mean, the fact that it, my opinion, that should have been, a, out of the ones that were actually nominated, that would have been the one I would have had the highest. Um, fifth was uh, Black, well, fifth I would have Black Parade by Beyonce. Sixth I would have had The Box by Roddy Rich. Seventh I would have had Cardigan by Taylor Swift. And eighth I would have actually had Coyote by Phoebe Bridgers. The other ones I had considered, The Steps by Haim, We Believe by Hiro the Hero featuring David Draymond, uh, Lockdown by Ernest and Pac, Circles by Post Malone, um, Level of Concern by 21 Pilots, Gaslighter by The Chicks, Just by Around the Jewels featuring Pharrell Williams and Zach Dale Rocha, and Blinding Light by The Weeknd. Um, now, Album of the Year. So this one might be predictable considering I just discussed my best albums of 2020. Um, so, the winner for that one was Folklore by Taylor Swift. The other nominees uh, were uh, Chilombo by Inai Aiko, Black Pumas, The Deluxe Edition by Black Pumas, Everyday Life by Coldplay, The Jessa Volume 3 by Jacob Collier, um, Women in Music Part 3 by Haim, um, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa, and Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. So, I, ultimately, I would only have one of the nominees still in there. And that would have been actually Folklore, but uh, the winner, as it, based on my, because t- I just did it based on my top albums, because when I rate them, I don't rate them necessarily as my favorite album. Of course, Punisher is also my favorite album, but I also think it was the best album of 2020. Um, so I would have, I have Punisher winning it, and then the other nominees were Grey by Moses Sumney, Rough and Rowdy Ways by Bob Dylan, Folklore by Taylor Swift, Manic by Halsey, The Goat by Polo G. Now, just keep in mind here, some of the ones, so I skipped some. Some of these albums are were ineligible for this year. It's so like Sufjan Stevens, uh, Deftones. Those ones aren't eligible yet. And then I had at seventh I had Fine Line by Harry Styles, eighth, Co- uh, underneath by Code Orange. So that would have been uh, the first metal album to be nominated uh, for album of the year. That would have never happened. But um, <laughs> other ones I'd considered were It Is What It Is by Thundercat, Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Do you do you want and wonder about me by Diet Sig three fifteen twenty by Childish Gambino Woman Music Part Three by Haim Jamie by Brittany Howard and After Hours by The Weeknd. And now for Record of the Year, um, the winner was Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish. Other nominees were Black Parade by Beyonce, Colors by Black Black Pumas, Rockstar by DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich, uh, Say So by Doja Cat, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa, Circles by Post Malone and Savage by Megan Thee Stallion. So, in my opinion, there was a clear and obvious winner, and it was the song that I said was a clear and obvious frontrunner for this award before the uh, before the awards were announced, and it was the unnominated Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Frankly, that was like the hit of the year. It was always on it was always on the radio always like everywhere 
probably the most popular song of the year. So, and that's what often what I look for with record of the year, in addition to it being like a good song. So, the other nominees I would have had were Circles by Post Malone, The Box by Roddy Rich, Bloody Valentine by Machine Gun Kelly, Cardigan by Taylor Swift, Black Parade by Beyonce, Dynamite by BTS, and Godzilla by Eminem featuring Juice World. And the ones that I also considered. Coyote by Phoebe Bridgers. I had to res- I had to hold back on putting that one in. Um, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa. The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby. The Steps by Haim. Savage by Megan Thee Stallion. And Gaslighter by The Chicks. And that's the episode for today. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we had a couple darker ones in there. So sorry about that. I thought they were important to discuss. Um... Net on the net now next weekend will be the next episode and I might do a double feature I'm not sure yet but two things I want to do there's a Mar- uh, there's a music bracket f- related to Mar- there's a March back March Madness themed bracket related to music that a friend had shared with me I want to discuss that one um I also since it's approaching the end of March and I have not uh, the end for International Women's Month, the only thing I've done with that one was discussing Kim Deal. So I want to discuss more. So I'm going to do a Women's Month special for that one um, before the month ends. And then from there, not sure what direction we're going to go yet, but I'll figure it out after that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the, I hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure you like my Facebook page. Groupy and Harmony. Make sure you check out my blog, Feeling Groupy. You can find a link for that in the Facebook page, or you can go on to blogspot. Um, I'm sorry, not blogspot.com, blogger.com rather, um, and check that out there. Also, make sure you like the Facebook page for Is Baller Trademarked Yet? And you can also find that one on the link on there. You can also find it on blogger.com. So, thank you again. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.